called this series The Gospel According to Genesis. How many knows that Christ is found in the whole Bible? Amen. This morning, I want to title my subject today, Then God Said. I'm still in the first three verses that we covered last week. Can I read them again for you? Genesis 1, verses 1 through 3. In the beginning, God, that says enough right there, created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Read this part with me. Then God said. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word this morning. I must confess to you that growing up in school and in my younger days, I despised the subject of science. I barely passed science. I'm looking back there, and there's Brother Jeff with two masters in science. So me and my understanding of science, I have to really reach for it. However, today we're going to talk about science. Are y'all ready for a biology lesson? I'm going to do my best, the Lord willing. So since I don't know a lot about science, I have to give credit to whom credit is due. So a lot of my information, a lot of my quotes come from people like Ken Ham, Answers in Genesis, Dr. Nathaniel Jensen, Dubinsky, Holman's Guide to Christian Apologetics, just to name a few. Last week, we talked about how the proof of God can be discovered even in our minds. There is a general knowledge of God all around us. We mentioned you can look at the trees, the creation, and you have to know they just did not appear unless you are an atheist. Somebody made them. We discovered last time that God simply is. Today I want us to look at another challenge from the non-believer or the skeptic, and that is the challenge of the accuracy of God's Word. Is it reliable? Is it true? And today I believe when God said it was true. God's Word not only declares that He is, but it declares His attributes, His work, His creation, and His plans. If you will notice in the leading up to all of creation, it always begins with, and God said, let there be. Have you ever noticed that? So what I want us to do this morning to look at what we call historical science. Let's look at what God said at creation from a scientific viewpoint. As many argue, science is not the opposite of the Bible, as we hear from the critic. Science, real science, proves the Bible. 
It proves the biblical text. There are two ways to observe science. The first way is observational science. Observational science is that which is present. Observation of something now to draw conclusions to. For instance, observational science gives us modern medicine. They can take what they have now and create something that is useful. Observational science gives us modern technology. Science is able to gather what is available right now. But then there's historical science. Historical science is consideration of the things of the past. Although we do not have access, nor can we repeat it. So how do we test historical science? We apply observational science to what we have and know here in the present to prove something historically. So how do we really know what happened in the past? Well, let me give you an example. I was not here when this sanctuary was built. It was built in 1991. But if I was to do research, I'm sure I can find there was a blueprint somewhere of this building. There are pictures on the wall in the fellowship hall that show where they're breaking ground and building this building. Are y'all with me? There are some folks still here this morning that say they were here when it was built in 1991. So historically, I can prove this building was built in 1991. And that's the way historical science operates. So when it comes to creation, take historical science, was there anybody here at creation? The Bible says yes. God was here. So then I have to look at the Bible. Is it a reliable source? Well, all the history is very true. You can read all the history of the kings and the prophets and the data that's stored in the Old and New Testament, and we know that it is a true document. So it is reliable. It is a trusted document. So what I want us to do this morning, let's use observational science which confirms the facts found in the Bible that make historical science true about the Bible. The Bible declares that the universe is logical and in order. Did you know in this space of ours, this earth is tilted at a perfect angle? For thousands of years, it's been spinning around the sun. If the earth, as big as it is, was to tilt in less than an inch, we would all die. Somebody help me this morning. Somebody set it in order. I can look at the universe and the seasons are the same. Everything is the same. It has order and it has logic given us reason that the Bible is true, that the one who created it is logical and in order. Amen. 
So that brings us to a very wonderful discovery this morning that I want to focus on when God said it is both historically and observationally proven. We can know that God spoke life into his creation. Let me introduce you to DNA. Now I believe God has a sense of humor. You can see it in scripture, but I believe he had a sense of humor not too long ago. In 1953, two scientists who were atheists named Crick and Watson set out to prove there is no God and they discovered DNA. They tried to prove that all DNA was nothing but matter and matter created everything. We'll get into that in a minute. Matter creates nothing. However, after many years of research since 1953, with modern technology, we have discovered that DNA is more than matter. It is a language system. And since modern discoveries around DNA, the evolutionists has a nightmare. They don't even like to talk about DNA anymore because DNA points to somebody. Let me give you your biology lesson this morning. DNA is the molecule of heredity. There are literally trillions of cells in your human body. Trillions with a T. Now looking at me and looking at some of y'all, I have a little more than some of y'all. Yet in one single cell out of trillions, in one cell there are three feet of DNA. If you was to take one little cell that you can only see in a microscope and stretch it out, it would be three feet long. On that little strip would be three billion units of information. If you didn't believe in God, that's where you get nervous. Listen to this. There is enough information in one of your cells out of trillions to fill a thousand encyclopedias of 500 pages, pages each. In one cell. This information is not in the molecules themselves. But the molecules are arranged in an order, a specific order, to spell out information. Now if you're confused, maybe I can help you with a little illustration. Y'all care for an illustration? Can everybody see that from back there? Put your cheaters on. Those up close, can you see what it is? Let me tell you what it is. I took a Sharpie and I scribbled on a piece of paper. So all I'm holding this morning is ink on paper. That's it. It's just ink and paper. Somebody say ink and paper. But does it mean anything to you? All right, let me try another one. Can you see this one? 
Does anybody know what it is? I'll tell you what it is. It's just ink on paper. Nothing more. It's just ink and paper. Are y'all with me? But let me try this one. See if this one helps. Can y'all read that? Does anybody know what it is? It's just ink and paper. But the difference is somebody with a mind and a sharpie decided to take the ink and lay it out in an order that you could understand. Are y'all with me? It's just ink and paper until a mind took the ink, put it into a language that you could read and understand. DNA is a language from a designer and a mind. The creator of the body and that mind can read what the creator put in you. Telling you what to look like. It'll tell you you're going to be this big, this wide, this color hair, all in that little bitty cell, in that little bitty molecule. Just as ink and paper don't tell you anything, the molecules don't tell us anything. It is the arrangement of the molecules that speak to us. That's what communicates to us. DNA is the language spoken by someone to our bodies, giving it information in how to function, how to grow, and what it will be shaped like. Your DNA spelled you out at the moment of conception. Let me, let me break it down a little bit further. There are 26 letter, letters in the English alphabet. Everybody know that? Here in the South and Murray, there might be less than that, but... Normally, just kidding, there are 26 letters in the English alphabet. Out of these 26 letters in the English alphabet, we can write 400,000 words. Out of 26 letters, we can find 400,000 words in our alphabet. Take these 400,000 words... And these 400,000 words can be arranged in millions of configurations called sentences. So out of 26 letters, we can talk millions of sentences. Somebody say, ladies, talk more than that, but I'm not going to touch that this morning. I'm going to leave that alone. In the language of DNA... There are four basic units called nucleotides combining into a code of 20 amino acids which give us over 100,000 proteins. In other words, there are extreme similarities between the human language and DNA. Both the language and DNA, they pack, they access, they rearrange, even copy in order to translate information. So where does God fit in? DNA simply has an author. 
Dembski put it like this, neither algorithms nor algorithms nor natural laws are capable of providing information. Information needs an informer. Someone who orders things in a certain way to communicate specific content. The author's language is life. Someone has written a language, spoken to a living creature, it could be a plant, animal, human, and communicated to it to live and gave the body language it understands. In other words, the corn that is in the field knows exactly what to look like, what to produce, because somebody wrote in that piece of corn what it was. God, the author, is unseen with our eyes, yet he is the creator of everything. His evidence is in the language of the DNA of creation. As I mentioned a moment ago, matter cannot produce one single cell of information. You see, here's where the evolutionist has a problem. Now, if I have a trillion cells and you have a trillion cells, do the math. And there's 8 billion people on the planet with a trillion cells, not counting all the animals and all the plant life, having trillions, gazillions, and without number, we can't count the cells that are living on this planet right now. But did you know not a single scientist can find just one, one cell that was produced out of matter? What are you saying, preacher? A rock outside laying in your driveway will not make a human being. It can't even produce a cell with any kind of information on it. DNA requires the mental process of an intelligent being. So now when we read, then God said, let there be or let us make man, it takes on a whole different outlook, doesn't it? When God said we dedicated a baby last week, did you know at conception, in one single cell, when mom and dad got together, all the information that that baby will need until he's 85 or whenever he dies is in that one cell. A creator designed a human being. And he was a handsome little human being, ain't he? Amen? What is it? It takes a whole new outlook because God spoke to creation and creation heard. So let me summarize it for you this morning. DNA is simply an agent of housing, a set of tokens used to convey and store information that is necessary for the body to develop and function. But before DNA could be useful, there had to be a language established. The genetic code had to exist, notice this, prior to the entrance of DNA. And again, at conception. This information came from outside the DNA. In other words, my body just can't make a language inside. Somebody had to put a language in me that I could not do. Y'all with me this morning? 
This information came right from outside the DNA. Information did not emerge from DNA itself any more than the letters. What I'm trying to say, the ink didn't jump on the piece of paper a while ago. Somebody had to put the ink on the paper. Your DNA just didn't happen. Somebody had to write it so your body know what to listen to. The best explanation for information found in DNA is that it was imposed on the DNA by a mind. Can we say God's mind? I'm about finished. Can I keep, is this all right? Y'all didn't know y'all was going to get biology one-on-one this morning, but here it is. Can I finish? Now this, this links me to next week. You'll have a hint of what I'm going to be talking about next week. Here's one more piece of information on DNA I want to share with you this morning. This bit of science, since there was, since there's been so much technology and the study of DNA, since its discovery, we are learning a lot more. There are two parts of our DNA. One is called nuclear, and the other is mitochondria. Now, the nuclear part of our DNA makes up 99% of our DNA. 99%. The nuclear DNA comes from our mom and our dad. Are y'all with me? The nuclear DNA is constantly diluting. What do you mean, preacher? Well, let me give you an example. Out of the 99% of the nuclear DNA in my body... 49.5% belongs to my daddy, and 49.5% belongs to my mama. That's why some say you look like your mama, you look like your daddy. How many's heard this one? You act just like your daddy. Well, nuclear DNA dilutes. So I have four sons. My four sons don't have half of my mom and dad. They only get a fourth. And their kids have only one-eighth of my mom and daddy. Y'all get the picture. Now, that's how that works. So if you got your mama's nose or your daddy's nose, blame your mom and daddy. All right? But then there's this 1% that I want to talk about, this mitochondria. Only 1% of our DNA, and it only comes through the mother. The maternal side. It is like a clock. It is like a calendar. This DNA is never diluted. It's as strong now as it ever was in all of us. Now, just as the evolutionists will try to say without proof that a big bang, a rock exploded somewhere in space, and this is all the result of it, Can we say just hogwash? Okay, now we've discovered how DNA is really changing the course, proving there's a creator. Now a lot of the skeptics are saying that this mitochondria part of our DNA goes back to 200,000, maybe 100,000 years because they want to include the ape in our family. I got attitude with that. I'm not an ape. I'm not from an ape. You are not either. There is no proof. Don't give me that idea. They found a jaw of an ape. Looks just like ours. Throw that garbage away. Are y'all ready for it? DNA spells out the truth. 
And so I have discovered that if you count my generations, if you go all the way back to Adam, did you know there's only 200 generations? Think about it. We're not that big, are we? And the crazy thing is, if you took my mitochondria, my 1%, and add it to my mama, it'll count 1, 2. Then you add it to her mama, it'll say 1, 2, 3. Are y'all with me? And if you keep counting, it'll go all the way back to Mama Eve. You know how many they counted? 6,000 years. And it stops. How long we been here? 6,000 years, give or take. Are y'all still with me? And you want to hear something else that's, that's just crazy? It shows us that we go all the way back to Mama Eve. By the way, we all kin somewhere, y'all. I hate to tell y'all that. Everybody in this room's kin. Okay? Y'all want to hear another interesting fact that was discovered? It goes back some almost four, over 4,000 years, and there is a, everybody goes into three, one of three. Everybody goes back to one of three. And then it'll take off from the three and go back to Eve. Can anybody guess? There was this thing called the flood that killed everybody except three girls. And their husband's name was Sham, Ham, and Japheth. And we came from one of them. But they came from Eve. Where is this fact? It's been proven. It's been studied. I could have saved the scientists a lot of work. Just read it and believe it. Count the generations. Amen, somebody. So let me sum it up like this. Listen to what Peter says in Peter 3.15, 1 Peter 3.15. But sanctify the Lord in your hearts. What does that mean? Do you know that the Lord is good and holy? His word is true. We need to know the Lord in our hearts and what he has said. Listen to what he says. And always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. What is he saying? What is Peter saying? Be able to know what you believe. When somebody asks you, why are you so hopeful? Folks, to the non-believer, this life is it. But aren't you glad for the message of the cross that opened our blinded and weary eyes and said there's more than this? Can I talk to you just for a few minutes this morning? The same God that spoke life into this world, created every animal, created every star, created every person. The same God has provided. How many knows we've all rebelled, we've sinned, we've, we've taken on the nature of our daddy Adam. We got a sinful nature and there's only one cure and there's only one way that we can truly know our creator this morning and that way is through the person and the work of his son Jesus Christ. If you want to know the hope that we have this morning is found in his son, what he did on the cross.
Hallelujah. Just like we learned last week, just to know that God exists, the general knowledge of God will not save you. And just to know that God spoke his creation in us is not enough to save us. As I just said, we've all rebelled. We've all fallen short. If you're listening to me in this room today, if you're listening online, you can know the true and one and only creator. He's screaming at you today, here I am. Here I am. I don't understand God. We don't understand God. Not all of it, only what he's told us. Listen, if I understood everything about God, I'd be up there with him. But I found out he's God, I'm not. He's infinite, I'm finite. So are you. But the same God that created you and me physically is the same God that will recreate you into a brand new person if you'll trust his son. Amen.